Today's scripture reading is the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. And just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing? Look, the world has gone after him. This is the word of God. Hey, New Hope. It's great to worship with you today. Um, it's great to see many of your faces. Um, it's great to have some of you guests with us as, as well. Welcome to this virtual worship gathering. Um, we're going to try and experiment today. If you feel comfortable and you'd like to do it, you can turn on your, uh, your, video, your, your video cameras. And um, if you'd like to, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, it'd be great to just be able to see your faces and see one another's faces while we, uh, while we worship together. The only thing we would ask is that if, you know, of course, if you've got something going on back in the background or you got to tend to something, maybe you can turn off that camera uh -huh. before you go aside to, to tend to that. This week, God is bringing us back to the Gospel of John. And I say back because we were studying the Gospel of John last year, up until the month of June. And then we went elsewhere, including the book of James. But um, we've been planning to go back to the book of John for a long time. In fact, we've been planning to do it today on March 29th for a long time. It's been on my calendar. Still, I said God is bringing us because he's the one who's orchestrating all this. You see, I had no idea, none of us did, that when we reopened the Gospel of John, we would be doing it over a video conferencing platform. I didn't know that I was going to be sharing this message from my office or that we'd be in the middle of a global pandemic. No idea. But God did know. God did know. He, in fact, has us here in this moment. And he's brought us back to the Gospel of John for reasons that only he knows for sure. But we can be sure of this, New Hope. Our God has led us to open these pages so that we can receive what we need today during this strange unsettling season. God has brought us back to this book that, that shows us Jesus. In fact, it shows us his identity, his heart, perhaps more clearly than any other book of the Bible does. So if we look closely enough, and if the Spirit of God opens up our minds and our hearts, to see Jesus for who he is, what we find in this book will anchor us. 
it will stabilize us. It'll give us hope for this season. More than that, John says that these things in this book were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You see, more than just anchoring and stabilizing us and giving us hope, it's giving us life. There's, this is what awaits us in this book. In this season that's been marked by death and the fear of death, God is saying, here, look here, there's the hope of eternal life. This is typically a, a Palm Sunday passage, right? But uh, Palm Sunday isn't till next week, but who cares? We're studying it this week. If you read the Gospel of John really carefully, you're going to notice that it keeps presenting different facets of who Jesus is. Early on in the book, John calls Jesus the Word and the Light and the Son of God. Later, John calls him the Bridegroom. Later, we find out that he's the bread of life and that he's a shepherd. He's the resurrection and the life. You see, each name highlights a different aspect of who Jesus is and what he does. In the section that Alex just read to us, we get another facet. And here's what we see. Jesus is king. He's a king. And here's why that matters now for us. Because kings rule, kings rescue, the good ones do, anyway. In Old Testament times, kings were warriors. The, the very best of them, they cared about their people, and they would protect their people at any cost. And that's the kind of king that Jesus is. He's the kind of king that we've always needed. And, 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 and while we live through this particular crisis, God wants us to see that we need this king right now. Let's set the scene. It's Passover. It's the most important feast uh, of the year for, for every Jewish person. Up to three million people would have traveled to Jerusalem to be there for the Passover feast, celebrate this holy day. So, so millions are already there in Jerusalem preparing for the feast. And Jesus rolls up. And a crowd gathers to worship him. Verse 17 is key for us. It says there, The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. See, just a few days earlier, Jesus performed his greatest miracle. He, he brought a dead friend back to life. And word about this spread. People started hearing that not only did Jesus just bring a man back to life, he brought this particular man named Lazarus. And some people knew him personally. And as word started to spread, many even in this crowd had heard about it. In fact, that's why they showed up, dragging palm branches and shouting this, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. You see, this mass of Jewish men and women and children, they, they looked at Jesus and they saw God's anointed one, the king who had been promised 
and, and foretold by the prophets for centuries. They expected this king to rescue and rule, to, to bring them the freedom that they had waited for for so long. And he would do just that, but not the way they expected. Maybe, maybe they expected him to recruit an army and lead a revolt against the Roman state, liberate the nation of Israel finally from the empire. That's how many people had understood those old prophecies. What they didn't expect is that in just a few days, Jesus would be hanging lifeless from a cross, shamed, bled out, beaten, and executed. You see, they expected rescue to come one way, but as God says in Isaiah 55, your ways are not my ways. They would be disappointed for a while, but their disappointment could turn to celebration if they just realized that by dying, this king was rescuing them. Not from the power and the suffering inflicted by the Romans, but from the power and the suffering inflicted on them by sin. And not just them, not just them, all humanity. Look at what Romans 5.12 says. It's one of the saddest verses in all of scripture. It says, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin. That verse is talking about Adam, the first man, and it's talking about us, all of humanity. You see, one man's sin brought the curse of death into the world. And this curse has, the, has power over everyone because everyone has sinned. No one can escape the power of death. And when we come near to death, it fills us with fear. All of us, no matter how brave, courageous, we are all filled with fear when we come near to death, and, and we're being reminded of that in this season right now. What are we anxious about? What do we fear? It's not just a virus. It's not just sickness. We're fearing death. Even those of us who might say, I'm not afraid to die. I'm ready to die. I still wonder how we'll feel when it really comes close. And for some of us, what really fills us with fear is not our death. It's the death of people we love. Why do we all fear death? in one way or another, because we know it's inescapable. We know that we're helpless in the face of it to protect ourselves and to keep the lives of the ones we love because death is stronger than us. And that's why we need this king. You see, this king rode into Jerusalem knowing that he would never walk out. He went there to die. Look at what Romans, Five says again, let's go back to that passage. Verse 17 gets a lot better. 
It's got some good news for us. It says in Romans 5, 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And what is that act of righteousness? It was Jesus Christ, the King, dying on that cross. You see, justification and life comes through him. It means the, the forgiveness of sin and freedom from its curse. You see, this king, he rode into that city to rescue humanity from death and to declare that, that in his kingdom, death will not reign. In fact, in his kingdom, death has no place. It will not intimidate, it will not threaten because the king has defeated death. And he did it at the cost of his own life. He, he took that curse that we all live in fear of on himself. He, he took the guilt of sin and all of sin's consequences, he absorbed it. And only he could do it because he's the only one stronger than death. He's the only one who could cancel the curse by absorbing it in himself. Yes, it cost him his life, killed him. And then he walked out of his tomb victorious. Like, what can death do to me? And if you have believed in him, then his victory is your victory. You have nothing to fear. If you have believed in him, not only is your sin forgiven, but death no longer has the final say over you. It could not hold him. It will not hold you. Not for long. Because Jesus said these words to his friend Martha just before he raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. A few days earlier, he said, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Listen, as sure as Jesus walked out of his tomb to reign forever as king, one day he'll appear again. And as sure as he called his friend Lazarus out of that tomb, he will raise everyone who has believed in him from death, body and soul. And he will welcome every last one of them to live forever with their king. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then you know what he said to Martha right after that? He asked her the question, do you believe this? And he's asking us. He's asking us. We're taking in so much news these days. Many of us are. So much information. So many updates. We don't even know what to believe. Do you believe this? Do you believe that whoever believes in him, Jesus Christ the King, though he die, 
yet shall he live again. The news that we're listening to and reading, it fills us with fear, but Jesus is saying, set aside that fear for a second. Do you believe this? For some of us, the question has to come this way. Do you still believe this? You said you believed it in the past. Are you still believing it now? But death has no power over you, not eternally. If you believe it, then rest in it. And remind your family, your friends, that whoever believes in him, though he die, yet shall he live. Your family and your friends are scared. Maybe you are too. Will you believe? If you've never believed this before, will you believe that Jesus the King died on the cross, rose from the dead, defeating death, and proclaiming, whoever believes in me, even if you die, you will live again eternally. Remember, John said, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's what he wants to give us. And that's what we can have in this king if we believe. Life eternal in his name. So how do we respond to this king? If I believed in him, what do I do with this message now? There's two things we need to do. And they're simple. We need to trust him and worship him. Trust him and worship him. Look, you and I can do that now. We can trust him presently. He's strong enough to be trusted in the midst of what we're, what we're going through now. You know, when the crowd was shouting at, at, at King Jesus as he, as he rode into the city, they were reciting scripture. What they were saying wasn't just spontaneous. They weren't ad-libbing. They were actually reciting the Bible. They're reciting Psalm 118 where it says, save us, we pray, O Lord. That's basically what Hosanna means. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, those people, they were reciting the words that they had memorized, maybe as children. They were reciting the words that they had hung their hopes on for so many years. Psalm 118 is one of the many, many promises in the scriptures that tell us that the Lord, Yahweh, will send rescue for his people. I encourage you even later today to read Psalm 118. Those are the kind of words that give us strength, that can fill us with joy and hope. Psalm 118 was fulfilled when Jesus, God the Son himself, arrived to rescue and rule. And so when he's going into that city, what do they say? Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And they call him the king. He's worthy of our trust right now. We can trust him. The, the same Psalm 118 says this. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. You see, when we are threatened or when we feel disoriented, 
It's, it's, it's very natural for us to start looking for someone to help us, right? Someone who we can trust. Who can stop this threat and secure our safety? Who, who can give me some answers and explain all this to me? So for example, right now, in the midst of this crisis, some of us expect people in power to do that, to protect us and to give us some answers. Maybe we're looking to our governor, maybe we're looking to senators, maybe we're looking to our president. And when they let us down or they betray our trust, and we realize they don't care very much about us, we lose hope. Some of us don't trust those folks to begin with. So, so we're not looking to them. Who are we looking? Maybe we're looking to people who have training. We're looking to folks in the healthcare system. We're looking to infectious disease experts. We're looking to the CDC and the World Health Organization. They have training, they have answers, they can protect us, we think, and, but of course they can disappoint us too, can't they? Of course they can, no offense doctors, nurses, all you medical professionals, you are heroes, we, we love you, we're praying for you, but our trust is not ultimately in you. It can't be, although we're tempted to put it there. You see, because we know that even these folks with training, they are operating with limited resources, and at the end of the day, they are weak. So some of us, the cynical types, the self-sufficient types, we're not looking to any of those people to help. We're the kind that say, I can trust myself. I'll do the research. I'll take every precaution, every measure. I will keep myself and my family safe. But of course, we can only do so much. We are weak. Some of us don't see anyone we can really hope in and trust in, and so we, we, we just despair. The Psalm says, it's always better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man, than to trust in people. That includes ourselves, whoever. Sure, people, people can help. But real hope, real safety, only the Lord can give us that. Only this king can give you that. And if you hope in him, he will give you that. That's why I'm saying we need to trust him now, in this moment. He may not rescue the way that we expect. Because after all, he can protect you however he wants to, right? He can protect you from this virus or he can protect you as you experience sickness. He can care for your soul even as your body suffers. He gets to decide how he will protect and rescue because he's king after all. Our role is to trust him. Even when protection and rescue don't look like what we expected. That's where these people in Jerusalem found themselves. Rescue was coming, but not the way that they had always thought it was going to come. And, and so when that became clear, some of them continued to trust him, and some of them didn't. You can entrust yourself to King Jesus because he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows your circumstances specifically. He knows your name. And in the end, one way or another, 
your body and your soul will be safe eternally. Because whoever believes in me, he said, though he die, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? Do you believe this now? Will you believe this? Will you trust him now? With your life, with your family, with your all. We can trust him and we must trust him and we must worship him. Worship is the natural response when we see this kind of king. It's what those people in Jerusalem did. And they didn't even realize the magnitude of, of what he was about to do. They didn't understand the scope of the rescue he was bringing. How much more should we worship him? Psalm 118, we'll go back to that Psalm 118. It foretells his rescue, but it's also, it's a song of praise. Verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 15 says, Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. Verse 28 says, You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Listen to those words, I will extol you. Thank you. Songs of salvation I'll sing to you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. You see, all, it's all worship. And he's worthy of that worship. I said before that Jesus rode into Jerusalem and never walked out. That's true. He did leave, though. And the Gospels tell us how. Because after he defeated death, and he walked out of his grave. Mark tells it this way. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to his disciples, was taken up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. You see that? God the Son sat down beside God the Father. We sang about this before. Behold our God seated on his throne, Come, let us adore him. Let's worship him. March 8th was the last Sunday that we gathered at 42 North Broadway. And since then, we've done everything we can to keep getting together, even if it's only across a video screen. Why have we put so much effort in just trying to get together? Well, for one thing, we need this. We need some semblance of normalcy in our lives, like seeing each other, singing together. We need fellowship. We need to remember that we are a family in Christ. But really, those are not the ultimate reasons that we do this. We do this because he is worthy. So, so as long as there is any way for us to get together and praise him, we're going to go for it. In fact, these Sundays have made me cherish the chance to worship him together as a church all the more. I hope that's true for you too. So how do we respond to this king? We trust him and we worship him. How do we get through this season, New Hope? We trust him and worship him.
whether we are struggling with fear or loss, or we're just sick and tired of the isolation and the craziness of life in quarantine. There's only one way for God's people to walk through this. We actively trust him and worship him, our king. Whatever pain and whatever trouble has entered your home, whatever pain and trouble has entered your life during this dark season. The way forward for us is this. Our homes need to be filled with this. Trust and worship. We need to say, in my home, we will fight to trust and worship the king. We need that. And he deserves that because he is worthy. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we need you. King Jesus, we need you. All other leaders are inadequate. They are flawed and sinful. Some of them are self-seeking and careless, and others, Lord, they they are well-intentioned, but they're weak. We need a strong, wise king whose courage makes up for our fear. We need a king who places our needs above his own comfort. We need a king who's willing to walk toward danger, towards death for us, and walk out victorious. We need a king whose power calms us, whose strength secures us. We need a king who identifies with us in our fear, our vulnerability, our weakness, who knows us and loves us with a steadfast love. Jesus, we need you. Our King, we trust you. We worship you. Amen.